Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates, Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined here by your usual hosts, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, hot off the uh, hot off the trail down to wild Yorkshire. Wild Yorkshire. It was pretty wild, actually. It's been wild up here as well, believe me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some horrendous, uh, apocalyptic, biblical weather even. We're just uh, we are embodying the stereotype, the national stereotype yeah. of British people by immediately talking about the weather. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we we are joined by uh, a not British person, an American, <laughs> in fact. Uh, we have Erin Erin uh, Dean on the line. Hello, Erin. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to be back. Pleasure, yes, pleasure. Yeah. Uh, uh, Long time listeners will remember Erin was uh, on the show last year, uh, talking about the book you were working on at that point, and you've got another little something in the works right now, which uh, we're going to chat about uh, a little later on in the show. Yeah. But uh, how have you been, by the way? I've been great. Oh my goodness, it's uh, a lot has changed since we last talked, and I'm excited to kind of dive more into that. But yeah, I'm. I'm super excited where the board game industry is heading and uh yeah it's just a lot is a lot can happen in 6 months you know for the board game industry a lot you know a lot a lot can change so excited to talk about that and what I have cooking Awesome yeah. awesome well before we dive into uh, anything like yeah. that with a few bits and pieces let's, of news to... Let's have a look at how that landscape is looking that that magical land of <laughs> magical land of Board game, yeah, yeah, hobby games because I guess they're not all board games that we we're talk having about this here, conversation so. before we yeah, recorded because, because you hate the term analog games. I just, I, I, <laughs> you're, you're, you're so you're so disgusted re- that you I can't really, even articulate no, I really, it. I really want to say the phrase that I said earlier, but I'll, I'll be aware there's probably quite a lot of our listeners will use the phrase analog games. I'm, I'm just going to say that it sounds wanky. Yeah, it just sounds wanky it to me. <laughs> it, it's it's one of these things that we we've said it quite a lot, and uh, especially in some of our recent reviews and things that a lot of the terminology that's used at the moment doesn't actually tell you anything about <laughs> about the game or what it does. And I, I guess analog games is one of that because technically anything that's not a video game is an analog game. Yeah, Hand, hide and seek is an analog game. There we go. No, anyway. Massive next tangent. next week we review hide and seek. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, what's what's been going on? So, um, Root was a very popular game uh, for twenty eighteen. So popular that um, 
that we never got to play it last year. Well, we couldn't get a hold of the bloody thing. Yeah, it was pretty hard to come by over. It was, was it quite scarce over in the US as well, Erin? Well, I was actually um, at Gen Con 2018, and uh, the booth I was working for, Lucky Duck Games, uh, the booth where Root was being sold, I, I forget the name of the publisher all of a sudden, um, but the, oh my gosh, it was Leather like games? every... Yeah, I think that's it. And everyone had a copy of Root in their hands, and it went, it sold out super quickly. And they had to, I think, cap it off each day. So, like, people who were arriving on Thursday, it wasn't all, all sold out, you know, that first day of the convention. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty hard to come by, you know, and especially for those who couldn't make it out to Gen Con. Um, but I think it's starting to kind of be more available. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I mean I played it for the first time earlier this week. Um, what did you think my, of it? Uh, my pal Stephen uh, got a hold of a copy. I really enjoyed it. Do you know the weird thing with it is, um, it is the fact that all the factions they don't even just play a little bit differently. Their rules are completely different. The, uh, this is something Duncan said to me actually. Is like to really get your head around the game, you have to play as all of them. Yeah, right. I think I think until you've done that, you, you're not going to get a full appreciation. I was playing the Marquis de Chat. That's cat. All right. For, yeah. Um, so I, I up here. the cats are uh, basically they've come in, they've invaded the woodlands, and uh-huh. now they're the occupying force. <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, you're trying to build a kingdom worthy. Of your title, okay. Uh, the uh, natural enemy of the cat is, of course, the bird. Okay. So the birds are like shock and ambush tactic. Gorilla fighters. Uh, yeah, gorilla yeah. fighters. And then the other factions that uh, were being played, there were the uh, Riverfolk Company, which are a group of otter mercenaries. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I thought that would be. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so so the idea with them is you make money. Like you hire yourselves out to the other factions and sell okay. goods and so, wares. So I take it they've all got different victory conditions then. In so much that um, you're you're trying to get to thirty points, but mm. you score points it's, very differently. Okay, there's different paths. To yeah. That. Uh, yeah, we had the cult of the lizard, which are I like the sound uh, of that as well. I, I, I what I really liked about the flavour wise of it that they made the cultists. Secret lizard people. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. A shout out to any conspiracy theorists there. <laughs> there. Um, and finally, the winner of the game was the Vagabond. So the Vagabond doesn't control an army like some of the other factions. Yeah. He's just a lone raccoon. just And he's kind of completing a little RPG by himself. Uh, and his character, Michael, was playing the Arsonist. Just set fire to stuff. Yeah, set the world on fire. So he won by basic. I was amassing a massive army. There was a massive army of river otters that were moved into the same location as my army, and uh, the arsonist killed them all, and just won the game at that point. It looks so cute as well. And I, all this... It's really dark. Oh man, have you pl- have you played an awful lot of it, Aaron? I actually have not played Root at all, but I am totally 
um drawn in by the artwork and the components oh my oh, yeah. goodness it, oh yeah it looks especially when you see those like professional board game photographers take like the you know the different um what do you call it factions or the different creatures mm, or critters yeah. and they put it on the board oh my goodness it looks so pretty on the table i mean and even not liking that weight of games like i'm not usually drawn to those kind of style of games but the artwork mm-hmm. has just blown me away and it's like almost made me want to go out and buy it and play it but yeah super impressive absolutely it I, th- is a- I think the consensus is that it's a really good game mm-hmm. and it's so good that apparently merited an expansion yeah because mm-hmm. they're doing an underworld's expansion there we go so have they revealed much about what they're going to include in that? There's going to be at least two new factions. Mm-hmm. There's the Corvid Conspiracy. Oh, see what they did there? Yeah. That so for 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 those of you who don't get the joke, the one of the collective nouns for crows is a conspiracy of crows. Yeah. So oh, yeah, very elegant. And I, I think these center around placing your crows in other people's hands. Oh, so it's like you've got your little double agents all over the place. Oh, that's cool. And then the other one is the underworld or the underground. It's like moles and stuff. Mole people. Yeah. So, not having a whole lot of knowledge of how the game works myself, having never played it, I'm not really sure how that's going to impact the game. I, th- I think the thing, the thing that struck me, and bear in mind, I've only played one game of it, but my. Um... My friends who have played more mm-hmm. uh, have said it's remarkably balanced given uh, how different the factions yeah. are. Uh, so my concern is like introducing more to that complicates things. Yeah. But if, I mean, if 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 they've play tested it thoroughly, I'm sure it won't be a problem. Yeah. As a point of criticism. Um, there was one of the guys uh, who's at this Wednesday night gaming group, Sam. He's not so keen on it. Uh, and the rationale is usually someone is getting dumpstered when when you play. And that's okay. just not a fun experience so that, for that's that person. So, so someone is getting shat on yeah. by everyone. By the Marquis de Chat. Yeah. It's all in the name. (laughs) So that's on Kickstarter at the moment. Mm -hmm. I believe you can, there there is a pledge where you can get the Underworld expansion and a copy of Root. I may well go for that because I want a copy. So the good news is, Erin, that we will be able to get Root eventually. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I remember when it first came out, I'm located um, where Miniature Market, uh, Miniature Market's warehouse is, which is this huge. Mm you know, uh, online store of board games in the United States. I don't know if they sh- ship internationally. I don't think they do. Maybe it's just domestic. But I remember uh-huh. it sold out on their website almost immediately. I mean, it was, oh, a, yeah. I mean, it was super hot. And it's still mm. super hot, you know, as far as yeah. the demand for it. So, Well, I mean, when I, when I was at Aircon, uh, a few people were hunting around for it then. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw, I looked over and saw that one guy had got the last copy, and I was just like, "You bastard!" Oh my goodness! Because <laughs> I so wanted it. But but speaking of that, um, we we've mentioned I think Wingspan on the podcast yes. before. That that seems to be another game that's been quite that's a hot topic underproduced. Right now. Definitely. Um, they had eight copies of it at Aircon, 
and they sold out in five minutes. I actually have um, I have a copy of Wingspan. I I pre-ordered I pre-ordered it the first time it was available to pre-order. So back in January or February, I forget. Yeah, yeah. So I have a copy of it. I mean, the demand is legitimate. I mean, it's an awesome, awesome game. I love that it comes from a female. It looks female. beautiful. I love that a female board mm. game designer created it, and she's up and coming and, you know, has some more games on, on the way. And uh, uh, I actually, what's funny is that in my first book, For the Love of Board Games, where I interviewed all these board game designers about their games, I actually interviewed Elizabeth Hargrave, who's the designer of Wingspan, about Wingspan before Wingspan was announced. So I was like, oh, what is, I had no idea how big it was going to get, like, and how it's going on eBay for like thousands of dollars right now. But I kind of had a little inside scoop about Wingspan before it was uh, announced. I was going to say, I say, as far as scoops go, that's pretty good in the uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> board game Head world. Of the curve so. there. Yeah, nice. so that was that was really cool because the. The, especially my Kickstarter backers who got my first book, they were able to read up all about Wingspan and how it was created before, you know, she had done other interviews, which was really cool. Yeah. So Also a nice little plug for, for the love of board games there. If you are interested in Wingspan. <laughs> there we are. It might be worthwhile picking that book up. Yep, there's, there's hundreds of games mentioned in For the Love of Board Games. Wingspan is just one of them, but yeah, um... It's crazy how games can just, you know, depending on how limited copies there are of them, how much they can go for as far as price. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's uh, it, one to watch out for for sure. I mean, I we we're, we're gonna try and get hold it's of on, it's on our well. radar for sure. Yeah. I saw a few people playing it at Aircon, and it's one of those ones. It's just really nice to look at. Yeah. The little legs and the birdhouse. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care what's going on here. I want to be part of it. Right, right. Yeah. Fear of missing um, out. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. that's a big thing. That old chestnut. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's why Kickstarter exists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, a few other bits and pieces of news. Yep. Um, Gamma is on full swing at the moment mm -hmm. in uh, Reno in Nevada. It's, uh, it's more of a trade show. Um, but um, Games Workshop have OG dubs themselves. Yeah, they've not squandered an opportunity to announce some new plastic crack. Uh, there's a lot of it that they've announced. There's a lot. We'll but... probably we'll touch on maybe in a later episode. Yeah. But I think the the one thing we do want to talk about is Warcry. Yay! So initially, I think everyone thought that this was just going to be like a fantasy version of Kill Team. But it looks as though they're going to focus a little bit more on chaos, at least in the beginning. Well, what it reminded me of was, did you ever play the old Path to Glory games? Yeah, it's that idea. Yeah, yeah. You've so, got your chaos war band. You're doing your thing mm, that they want to do, just uh, fight while each other. like while beating each other up. The, the chaos don't need an excuse to fight amongst themselves. I, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed because I was hoping to to get my dwarfs to the table in some sort of skirmish game and we've said before that the age of sigmar skirmish rules as they are a little bit half-baked um but that path to glory it, it's it's good that you mentioned that actually because eventually they they did ex um they did roll out path to glory to a bunch of other factions that weren't chaos so who knows yeah some cool miniatures know. there anyway so you, we'll probably pick up the I box mean, do, you, do you ever dabble in the world of uh, gw or miniatures wargaming at all you know it's something that's 
always intrigued me, but it's almost like there's that line, you know, as a gamer. It's like, do I cross <laughs> that line or do I stay where I'm at, where I'm comfortable, you know? Uh, but it's I... something that definitely intrigues me, you know, um, something I would be interested in maybe trying out, especially if someone could kind of teach me the the ins and outs of it. But I have not personally dove into I, I it. Think, I think if you're a very visually oriented person, it's it's quite a rewarding sphere mm-hmm. of uh of analog gaming oh you had to plug like in that analog gaming yeah, yeah. why do you like yeah. this um but in all in all seriousness it's you know it's a bit more cinematic you've got the miniatures out in front of you mm-hmm. and there there are loads and loads of books with with beautiful artwork in them and grotesque artwork as well mm-hmm. i'm more into the grotesque yeah my, my nurgle boys are all painted up for kill team now so yeah. Uh, but uh, yes yeah i'd be really intrigued to photograph some of the miniatures that i've seen come out of the, some of those games um oh yeah because i've dabbled in that a little bit and that would be awesome to kind of line them all up or you know um set the scene to make it really epic, yeah. an epic photo i and it's that, that's a, a massive facet of the hobby in itself oh, yeah. just the i know guys who just they don't even play any of the games. They just collect the models and yeah. paint them, mm-hmm. and that's I... miniature photography is a skill in its own. That's right. I mean, you you think you can just take a picture of this lump of plastic that you've painted, then you're dead wrong. Yeah, <laughs> there's a a lot of thought and a lot of technique goes into yeah to making them look good. Mm-hmm. So that's that that's the the main thing out of Gamma that we wanted to mention. They uh, also announced um, Age of Sigmar Munchkin. <laughs> Which is, uh, I feel a little bit conflicted about this because as an Age of Sigmar fanboy, the collector part of me just wants to have it. But I'm not a big Munchkin fan. Mm. And I really do not like the Munchkin art style. I, 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 it's, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? I don't yeah. think the art style lends itself well to Age of Sigmar, that's for sure. No. <laughs> what, 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 are you familiar with Munchkin Aaron? I am, and it's from everyone I've talked to, it's either you love it or you hate it. I don't think yeah. there's really any in between. And I, you know, I'm familiar with the artwork as well, and kind of what you're describing. I don't know how that would go hand in hand together. I feel like it's two kind of polar opposites as far as <laughs> art style <Right. laughs> art styles go. It just seems totally different. Yeah, it's a bit too goofy, I think, isn't mm-hmm. it? Kind of lends yeah. itself as too light or too silly you know yeah Yeah. i mean there is silliness within the games workshop ips but it's done in such a way that it doesn't detract from the grimness right of it right yeah the grim misery of (laughs) games of a perpetual state of war which is yeah Yeah, which is which would be miserable yeah (laughs) um but yeah guess we'll see how that goes uh i'm gonna rattle through a few more announcements uh Wildlands, also released last year by Martin Wallace, another skirmish board game type thing. Yep. Um, a licensed version has been announced. It's going to be set in the 2000 AD universe. Uh, so Judge Dredd? Yeah. Awesome. Weird, though. I mean, I did not think that they would ever license that, but... Well, uh, yes and no, right? I mean, uh, just, just because we were talking about it just then, you know, Munchkin... Uh, we kind of take it for granted that you get licensed Munchkin games, you know, of 
Warhammer or 40k or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but at a time that was weird. So and maybe it's not. So may, maybe uh, maybe I'm just averse to change. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Judge Dread's awesome. I I, I approve of anything that involves uh, some Judge Dread, like some stubborn old house cat. <laughs> Are we talking about Judge Dread or yourself here? Me, like right, like urinating on the furniture whenever the owners try <laughs> to change things. <laughs> Is this from experience, Ben? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm more of a dog person myself. <laughs> yeah, but the. Uh, there's something weirdly human about cat behaviour. But we're going to leave that for the pet behaviour podcast that we're starting <laughs> soon. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, And uh, we've got one more th- piece of news to cover uh, off. Two more. Two more, I beg uh, Tokaido's getting a sequel called Namiji. Uh-huh. Uh, same formula everyone knows and loves, but you're in a little boat. Yeah, you've upgraded your ride. Uh, looks beautiful. Not radically different from Tokaido, I have to say, but... Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with more of the same, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Villainous is getting an expansion. Yay! Which they kind of hinted at in the manual. Yeah. Because yeah. they had the shad, the shad, if I remember, it was the Shadow of Cruella de Vil yes. was on the back. And but I'm assuming... she's not in this expansion. What? Yeah. Well, that, what? that means there has to be another expansion coming, right? After this one. I, yeah, I mean, it's I, not. It's not like Disney to try and squeeze every cent out of a product, is right, it? Surely, right. So, so what? Uh, what are the villains? Is is Thanos going to be a villain? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the, he's no. Disney. He is Disney, <laughs> but it's yeah. not. He's not that Disney. So we have uh, the Wicked Queen from Snow White. Okay, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I expect she's going to have, like, she's, you know, form change, power, like, turns into the crazy old bitch and then back to the queen, <laughs> that kind of... <laughs> crazy old bitch was uh, the notes that Walt Disney himself made Fact. on, yeah, on yeah, the, the Wicked it. Witch. Yeah, just, like, poisoning all the children. Yeah. Wholesome stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, Hades from Hercules is going to be in it. Oh, awesome. that'll be cool. That'll be cool. Yeah. I, 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 I will try and find a James Woods soundboard for when we play yeah. this. <laughs> I, I loved Hercules when I was a lad. Mm-hmm. I think it's slightly underrated, Yeah, actually. I think because it came out, was it just after uh, Lion King? or it was Yeah, I think couple... it was like 96. Yeah, like and yeah. obviously Lion King, like a lot of people rate Lion King as like the best Disney film of right. all time. Uh-huh. Right, Um So like anything is going to, a lot of things are going to pale in comparison to that, but Hercules was pretty good. Oh yeah, I liked it. I love that song uh, from it. Uh, I won't say I'm in love, or what is the you know the leading yeah lady, yeah leading lady in the I forget her name, but I mean I love that song as a kid, and I would. It's still it's it's still a good one. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Meg when Meg, she's in the garden. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and, and then the mu- the muses are all singing to her. It's, yeah. yeah, backup singers. <laughs> yeah, great. I film. wish I had backup singers. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, and then the last villain is uh, maybe a little bit more obscure for older listeners, but it's Doctor Facilier from the, oh, Princess from the Princess and the Frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's uh, the I, the witch doctor. I haven't seen the Princess and the Frog. It's really good. Yeah, I've only yeah. seen it once, but I remember liking it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we have to have a chat about. All right, favorite Disney film. I I think that if if we do 
my sisters are going to be really mad about this because they're going to want in on this. But yeah, favorite Disney film, just animated. Yes, just animated. So I can't say bread knobs, but no, that is that is not for consideration. Now, bed knobs and broomsticks and, Ma- and Mary Poppins, uh, they're out. They're out. Okay. Pete's Dragon, out. Yeah. Right. Just pure animation is what we're looking for. Actually, the first movie I ever saw in a theater, uh, I was really young, but it was The Little Mermaid, and I loved that movie oh, growing up. Okay. Uh, so that was actually the first movie I ever saw at a movie theater. Um, so that always is near and dear to my heart. So is that yeah. your choice, Aaron? Yeah, I'll go with Little Mermaid. I mean, if Little I had Mermaid. if I had to go okay. with something more recent, you know, like two thousand or later, I would probably pick the original Finding Nemo. Like, I uh, where's that Pixar? Okay. That's not. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I it is Disney Pixar though. Yeah, they, they like, are you know, part of Di- of Worms now, aren't we? There's like yeah. there's so many to choose from. Good right. lord, yeah. If we start, okay, I'm going to narrow it down. Oh, shit. Right, I've got three in my head, and I don't know which one to pick. This is Just agony go with for you. Yeah, yeah. Go with one. You got it. Come on. Right, okay. I'll go with a more obscure one then. Pocahontas. Mm. All right. Okay. Colors of the Wind is always a good one. Do you know my favorite song in that is actually the Just the song. Just around the riverbed. <laughs> no, no, no. It's the one that Radcliffe sings about the gold. Oh, ah. that's kind of it's, a one that flew yeah. over the radar. Yeah, yeah, he's such a greedy, grasping bastard, and he has this song where he's basically singing about ripping up the state of Virginia. Oh, jeez! To make himself rich. Yeah, I oh, well. remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. I, uh, I, uh, I, I'm discounting the Lion King. Mm, right, mm-hmm. it, the Lion King is the That's best. That's too obvious. It's so. too, too obvious. You gotta pick a more yeah obscure. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jungle Book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I I quite like the character Baloo the Bear. There's something that your, speaks your to me. Your consciousness creature. <laughs> your consciousness creature. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, he's 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 got life down. You know. It's just you just don't worry. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he he struggles with shoulder and responsibility doesn't he (laughs) (laughs) moving on from josh's psych session (laughs) so um (laughs) so after discussing disney at great length yeah sorry ben's sisters um erin you are of course working on a new book at the moment that is correct yeah uh, share with us uh do you want to tell us what it's all about yeah yeah i'll give you the the details so uh it was actually just announced this week uh as we are recording um and basically my next book that i've been working on is called board game worlds and it's Mm -hmm. a game table art book of board game artwork featuring some of the top board game artists in the industry Vincent Dutrait, uh, who did the artwork for Lewis and Clark, and he yeah. did the artwork for Rising 5 and a ton of other games. He'll be in the book. Uh, there's um, Tanya Walker, who's an Australian artist. Uh, she does a lot of work for Jellybean Games. Uh, but anyway, there's, I mean, there's, uh, there's some really, really talented artists featured in this book. There's going to be a, ra- a little over 10 artists in the book. And for each artist, there will be, like, three games we feature that they've done the artwork for. 
Uh, you know, games include Ex Libris, Western Legends, um, games like I mentioned Lewis and Clark, uh, Dinosaur Island. Uh, so we're going to, this book is going to celebrate the awesome artwork that has come out of the, of the board game industry, the board gaming hobby. And not only will the, the book feature, you know, pages and pages of artwork and how it was created and like initial sketches and seeing the entire evolution of how the artwork came to be, but it'll also feature short interviews with the artists asking them how they got into the industry, how they um, create their characters when they're, you know, hired on as an artist for a game, what fuels them, you know, what, what, mm. you know, what keeps them going and what keeps them inspired so it's going to be really cool. I think a lot of board gamers are going to want this on their game table. I think it's a great subject for a book as well, yeah. because given that it's a, a visual medium, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, board, uh, like tabletop gaming in general, uh, we we don't talk enough about the art that brings these games to life. Well, I mean, even you th- if you think about it, you, you look at the cover of most games, it, it's the, the the designer's name that's mm-hmm. front and center mm-hmm. and that is changing a lot to be fair with with some of the more recent games but it it's strange when you consider how important the artwork is to the appeal right of a game the artwork yeah. the artwork is what it is allowing players players to totally immerse themselves in this board game world you know with you know what we were talking about with root how the artwork really draws you in and feels like you are you know, fighting for the woodlands and, you know, and uh, games like Western Legends, you know, that was really big last year. Um, It's just the artwork brings the game to a whole new level. Think about if there was a game with just no artwork and it was just like cards and, you know, Sharpie on it, it would not be the level of excitement as some of these games are that we have now. I can confirm that most, like a lot of uh, historical war games, are like that, oh, yeah. and it's it is, and, and you know, a lot of people are into them, and mm-hmm. that's that that's great. It can feel like playing an Excel spreadsheet though, yeah. rather than actually having an experience. And I mean, we've talked about the, there are some games that you know mechanically they're fine, but if the if the art style or or the presentation mm-hmm. of it is just not there, then it jars with you. Yeah. I mean, like, um, Magic the Gathering and a lot of the Games Workshop games, if you didn't have the visuals, no one would play them. There's there's plenty of games that would totally collect dust on the shelves if it wasn't for their artwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, it's, it's crazy how much, an, especially when you're looking for a game to buy at a store, the artwork is what's going to draw you mm-hmm. in, you know? Uh, and the, that's why it's so important, and that's why you know I wanted to take this one, you know, section of the industry, uh, and really celebrate it and dive into it, and uh, you know, learn more about how the artwork is created. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so uh, I mean, what was the thought process behind uh, behind uh, this project? Then, what 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 did you what made you want to uh, be the person to celebrate that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, have the debate whether better components or better artwork is more important. And I always fall to the side of better artwork. Yeah. I just, I really gravitate toward it, uh, towards it. And I really, 
you know, appreciate when the artwork is done well and it's unique and it really immerses you into the theme of the game. And uh, so I've just myself been a big fan of board game artwork um, that has come out, you know, in recent years. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a big, you know, word document of ideas for board game books, but this one I was really excited about um, and I really wanted to do it. And long story short, um, I got connected with Scott from Renegade Game Studios. You know, their their most popular game is probably Lanterns, the Harvest Festival. Yep. Um, and he's the president and CEO of uh, Renegade. He was a backer of my first book, For the Love of Board Games, which was on Kickstarter last year. And he, I kind of told him, yeah, I want to do some more books about board games. And he's like, oh, well, I think we could help you out. And long story short, we uh formed a partnership from there so um they're they've been a huge help and i well i'm focusing more on the content creation of the mm-hmm. book and kind of the being the liaison for you know the graphic designer and the person who's doing the kickstarter video sure, yeah. and you know working with the artist directly um renegade is going to be more focused on the printing and the shipping and the marketing the logistical and... side of things mm. of the project exactly Yep, which makes my life a lot easier because I'm able to totally pour my energy into the content of the book. Awesome. Oh. So if you... Uh, <laughs> difficult question. Can you can you pinpoint a single a single board game that for you is like just the, the your favorite artwork? Yeah, so um, I really, really... You know, I mentioned him before, but Vincent Dutre... Mm-hmm is one of my favorite board game artists mm-hmm. and I really love the work. Uh, the game's not super popular, but I love the artwork in it. And it's actually, it was a Kickstarter game uh, and it still is being fulfilled to backers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even, I don't even think you can get it right now, but it's called detective city of angels. It's kind of this Los Angeles oh, detective game. Yeah. And like, the 1940s i think or something like that and the artwork is just awesome i mean like you know all the character cards of the people you interrogate and the suspects and the game board itself and the box art is amazing and he just knocked it out of the park as far as artwork goes and that'll be one of the games that's featured in the board game world's art book for me i think there was a game that was on kickstarter quite recently that that was the embodiment of how important artwork is to games, and that mm-hmm. was the the Parks game. Yeah, and, we talked mm-hmm. about this well, that, on the podcast because that game is actually based on a series of prints. Yeah, yeah, I actually have one of the prints of I think it's called Fifty Nine Parks dot org or something. Yeah, that like that's that. the name of the the print series. I think the game is just called Parks. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And I actually, I'm from St. Louis, so the Gateway Arch is, recently became a national park in the United States. Oh, excellent! And they did a they did a they did a print for it, and I have it framed in my living room. And I love the artwork from the game and all the prints that are associated with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I th- and I I just think that 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 really typifies mm-hmm. how vital artwork is right. to games that. There is an example of the artwork existed prior to it, and the game was built around, around, the, artwork, around the artwork rather than vice versa, yeah. which I imagine is the usual process. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think what's different about, and what I think readers will enjoy the most about this art book is kind of seeing, you know, each artist works a little differently. Yeah. Um, 
you know, uh, Manny Tremblay, who did the artwork for Dice Throne, uh, he works where he just draws everything in one sitting. So he doesn't have any sketches. He just literally sits down and does the entire illustration in one sitting. Whereas Vincent Dutrait, you know, he has initial sketches and also, you know, Everdell, which has amazing artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh Andrew Bosley, who's the artist of Everdell, uh, he works in a similar way where he has he kind of does two. He does an initial sketch, then kind of a medium sketch, and then the final illustration. Uh, and it, I think it's going to be really cool for readers to kind of see that process of wow, this is what the cover looked like initially, and look how awesome it turned out to be, you know, and kind of seeing the getting into the minds of all the artists that make the board games artwork so much cooler and awesomer yeah it's certainly a a a different insight into the the process of creating a game as well Mm -hmm. you know how 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 does the artist bring this to life Mm -hmm. well on on Mm -hmm. that vein um for for the the previous book you published um for the love of board games you were primarily interviewing designers right so how how different right. was that process to interviewing artists? Well, yeah, the books are completely different. Whereas, you know, my first book, it was just kind of a compilation of, you know, over 50 interviews with designers. Uh, the artists, I mean, this next book is really focused on the visuals and the, the interviews are kind of secondary. Mm. Uh, but, you know every you know whenever you're interviewing someone differently you know like designer versus artist versus publisher or whoever uh you know you kind of have to frame the questions differently and you know almost put yourselves in the shoes of everyone kind of what would people be most curious to know about and that's kind of how i create my questions but uh, I've hired a very, very talented uh, graphic design firm called Latigo Creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually a local graphic designer where I'm from, and they're going to be doing all the layout of the art book. So it's not going to just be me throwing it, you know, and there's going to just be a huge collage. You know, they're going to be able to lay it out super nicely and yeah. cohesively and make it flow. And I'm super excited. Um, yeah, for all the talent that's going into this book not only the artists themselves and the ones responsible for all the artwork in the book but like the graphic designer and my book editor who's you know making the interviews more polished and uh renegade you know bringing their expertise as far as you know picking one of the best manufacturers and making sure the print quality is super nice and i think there's a lot of energy and talent going into the book that Board, it's going to pay off and board gamers who you know buy the book are going to really see and admire yeah I, and it sounds it sounds like a great gift for someone yeah. as well mm-hmm. like if you know if you know a tabletop game which i imagine most of our listeners will know someone <laughs> i think i think personally speaking um and, and no disrespect to anyone that's doing any other books on uh on the medium but for me this is the book that i'm most excited about seeing yeah um particularly you know i'm I'm quite a sort of visually oriented person um i I actually have like a whole stack of books of concept art from video games and things like that so it it's nice to to finally get something like that for for tabletop games yeah like i mean likewise i've got uh i've got a (laughs) 
received from you as gifts yes. actually usually yeah. coffee book uh coffee books uh, coffee table books rather of uh-huh. uh, magic the gathering art as well and yeah. this would be a great addition to that collection so yeah. for any of our listeners who are wanting to find out more erin where where can they go to get more information and back your project yes yeah, so that's th- that's a good question and so the best way uh, so the the book itself will be launching on the Renegade Game Studios Kickstarter account on April second, and it'll run for three weeks. Mm-hmm. So it'll be up the majority of April. Um, if they want to learn more about the book and updates and you know uh, future books, I encourage them to join my Facebook group, Renegade Books. Uh, colon board game worlds mm-hmm. and that title will continually change as new books come out but it'll always start with renegade books mm-hmm. uh and then whatever at what it you know board it, right now it's board game worlds um and because that's the current book i'm working on yeah. but uh so that's the best way is to um join the facebook group uh search for board game worlds or renegade game studios on kickstarter so you can back the project and uh Feel free to reach out to me personally on Facebook or Twitter. Um, you know, uh, it's just Aaron Dean, E-R-I-N-D-E-A-N. And then as far as my Twitter handle goes and my Instagram handle is both Dean Machine 100. I love that. I'm that that's amazing. <laughs> I'm just going to own it. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those usernames where it's like, eh, should I change it? But you know what? I'm just going to keep rolling with I, it. I should probably change um, my Twitter handle, but like, I, I can't figure it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yours is like a barcode after yeah. your name. But yeah, we, we, we went over all these jokes yeah. when I first registered with <laughs> Twitter. But, um, but, <laughs> Yes. Uh, so thank you once again for coming on the show, Erin. Uh, really looking forward to uh, Board Game Worlds coming out yep. uh, and seeing more of that. Uh, and thank you at home for listening. Until next time, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.